Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science who are here to help you get accepted into PA school, get through PA school, and then have a thriving career as a PA. So if you are a pre-PA, a PA student, or a physician assistant, then you are in the right place. We are so happy you are here and so excited for your future. Before we get started, here's a few housekeeping items. First, we want to tell you about something we are doing that we know is going to be so incredibly valuable to you. We have an application to acceptance course that shows you exactly how to create your most competitive application, and it's a game changer for helping you get into PA school. But here's what we are doing. When you sign up for our application to acceptance course, we are going to go through every single piece with you every week. So not only do you get the course, but you get us every week to help you personally create your strongest CASPA application. We help you get your personal statement done and make sure it's epic, help create your strongest CASPA experience descriptions and everything in between so that you are ready to submit when CASPA opens and not just submit, but submit with confidence in your most competitive application so you can land interviews. Let's get you into PA school. Sign up in the show notes. Now on to today's episode. Join us in giving a warm welcome to Maria with PA Chronicles. Maria, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. We're so excited to get to know you more. To get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, first of all. I've been really following you guys on social media, on your own website, just seeing all the work that you guys are putting in. So for me, I'm actually currently a physician assistant in neurosurgery, which is definitely a field I never saw myself going into. But I think just throughout my clinical year, I was really navigating everything. And it was just divinely timed that I was able to get an elective in neurosurgery, something to just see if I would be up for the challenge and what's to come in that setting. But through that experience, it solidified it. So that's what I do now is being able to really work both in outpatient and inpatient and really bridging the gap between a lot of the diseases that we normally learn in school, but also just see in our everyday life. Like a lot of people are aging, right? And the aging population is getting older, the older population, I should say. So just being able to kind of see the full circle of how important our bodies are and being on the other side of it because I was a patient, but now I get to treat patients and it's just a beautiful thing. That is so cool, and I'm sure a really exciting specialty to go into. So tell us a little bit about your clinical year and how you decided to go into that. Sure. So it was definitely a whirlwind. It was actually right in the beginning of the pandemic. So I was just entering my clinical year. I just got my white coat. It was a big ordeal for all of us. It's kind of that milestone that we we all get excited for. And the pandemic hit, so we started our clinical rotations three months later. And in that time, we were supplementing a lot of our studies, which I think a lot of students now that are listening can really it resonates with them, I'm sure. So once I started my rotations, I really just kept an open mind because I didn't know what I like. I knew that previously before PA school, I was really heavy into orthopedics, serving as a physical therapy assistant. Then I did some EMT work as a volunteer. I went to mission countries, like to do mission work, like Dominican Republic, Haiti, Guatemala. So just to be able to see the different populations. And then throughout 
my clinical year, as I was going through each setting, I knew what I didn't like. So I knew going towards graduation, I was like, I, I really can't see myself being an OBGYN. I can't see myself being in pediatrics. And there's nothing wrong with those settings. It just doesn't really call to me as much as neurosurgery did when I was able to get that elective. And the way it happened was I actually was going into my general surgery rotation. It was scheduled last minute. I didn't have a year out clinical rotation schedule. It was kind of as we were getting it because of the pandemic. And I was heading into my first week of general surgery. I finished my general surgery cases that morning. I just had left an appendectomy case. And all of a sudden on the operating room board, I actually saw that there was a neurosurgical case happening. It was a spine case and it was 45 minutes in. So I was like, oh man, I don't know what to do. I'm a student. Like, do I walk in? I usually like to at least ask people around before a case starts if I'm able to observe or scrub in. But something in me was just like, oh man, like you have to walk in there, see what's what's going on. So I, I did. And I asked the neurosurgeon, I was like, do you mind if I observe? I'm a PA student. And he's like, well, you're not going to learn anything from there. How about you go back out, scrub in, and then stand next to me? And from that moment, I just stood right next to him. He's been a neurosurgeon for 40 years. I was able to learn a lot about the spine just in the rest of the two-hour case that we had. And he looks back at me, and he's like, is this something you're interested in? Are you serious about this? I said, yes, I'm serious enough to get my feet wet, and this could potentially be a career for me. And he's like, all right, well, I'm willing to mentor you for the next two months, and we'll set it up with your program. And then I was with him for two months, and after that, it's just like all the connections were happening, and I'm so grateful and blessed that literally the Holy Spirit spoke to me and was like, you need to go in there say yes and just see like this is not your job to say no to yourself like he could say no to you but you're gonna go in there be persistent be grateful and go from there and after that that's exactly how my trajectory kind of took off and I started to just be a lot more confident when I applied to jobs in neurosurgery and time and time again, all the things that I thought I wanted, God gave me something better. And that's just my big motivation and really encouragement for a lot of students right now is to keep an open mind in clinical year. You never know what's going to happen. Understand what things you don't like, make a list of that, but also just really network and get to know people and stay persistent throughout that whole journey because it's not going to end when you graduate school. It's going to be like that throughout your whole profession. Yeah, I absolutely love that story. And I think you make a great point because I was kind of in your similar boat. Like I wasn't thinking surgery when I went in, but I knew what I didn't like. And I was the same. OBGYN didn't call to me. Pediatrics, again, wasn't my thing. And it wasn't until I did my orthopedic surgery rotation I was like oh my gosh I can't believe that pay people do this like this is fantastic and so I love that because so many people go in kind of knowing like I worked in the dermatology office or I worked in primary care and it's hard because some students say what if I don't know and so I just love your story of exploration and just like put yourself out there see what happens because if you hadn't walked in that day and hadn't taken the courage and been like this is something I think I really are meant to do and supposed to do you know you never would have connected with that surgeon and so who knows you know where you would be so I absolutely love that because I think sometimes as students in clinical work sometimes are a little too timid to, to kind of ask like hey do you mind if, if I scrub in or do you mind if I do this and so I just love that story because it just really really reiterates that it is truly connections it's not just learning medicine it's learning everything else too it's getting to know people finding your passion as you said because it's a tough career it's a great career but it's tough in so many ways so I just love the fact that you followed your passion
passion and you were able to get to the point you are today. It's great. Absolutely. I love that. I love that so much that you shared, Beth, because I, I just feel like it's almost less pressure to where you're just able, like you said, to just not be timid. You're there to learn like other people are here to help you. Your resources are at your disposal. So I really felt that it was a connection with the neurosurgeon that you're right. I wouldn't have been able to have if I didn't just be like, OK, I'm here to learn. I don't need to know everything, but I want to put myself out there and for him to just really be so humble and be like all right like I haven't had a student in years but I I see myself in you and let's do it and he was just a tremendous mentor and I know that it can happen for any student any student yeah we have to remember that everybody was a student once and so even if they've got four years of you know neurosurgery experience they were once a student and someone once mentored them and this is I think a wonderful thing about the medical field is that this this providing this mentorship you know during clinical year and even you know sometimes during the, in practice as well is that like everybody knows because they were all student once it was always their first heart attack or their first you know time first assisting or whatever and I do think that you know, you got to keep that in mind that nobody's perfect, that we mentor each other. It's a healthcare team. We help each other. So I think that's really important to keep in mind because sometimes we think, oh, we have to go at it all alone, but that's really, really not true. Okay. So I know professional experience kind of starting out in a surgical subspecialty, a little bit different than most other people's first year. So kind of what were some of your thoughts as a BA in surgery for your first year? You know, some of the great things, some of the things that maybe weren't so great. Any tips and advice for anybody who's, you know, going into surgery? Yeah, absolutely. Those are great questions because I think it's so interesting because like once you pass your boards, it's like then you're in that time of credentialing and you're you're trying to still enjoy your time because you just dedicated like two, three years for some even a lot longer to your studies and you just hope that you're prepared and you're reading books and, and whatnot. And I can only speak on my experience, but the things that I really enjoy right now as like for my job is the fact that my lifestyle is totally catered in a sense where I am part of a great team that is a hospital that loves to teach that is solely PA driven, that has tremendous onboarding for six months. That was a big takeaway for me going through my job process was being able to search for a hospital organization that truly supports you, that knows your starting point, but also challenges you on the daily. And for me, I knew my strengths and weaknesses going into this field, especially surgery. It's high demand. There's high expectations right off the bat, long hours for some, especially if you're on the inpatient side, you're on call. These are all these things that you do have to consider when you're really looking for a surgical specialty job. But for me, you know, I have the privilege of working four 10-hour shifts. I don't have to work weekends or nights. I'm able to see the patient from start to finish, both in the office and then in surgery and then out of surgery and follow them up for the next couple months. And I just think something that I think was really important for me to understand is that one, I'm not going to learn so quickly as I'd like. It's going to take time, patience, and then really be able to ask questions. Like, I just think I, I really am grateful for the PA program that I was a part of and how we learned and the classes we took, but it's just not enough. It's a lot about going out there and you're going to learn by doing. So when I was in my first surgery case, I knew my weakness was suturing. I knew my weakness was just understanding, like, where to stand, how does 
that chemistry kind of uh, work between you and the surgeon and, and what are the expectations? And fortunately, I have a team that communicates a lot. They state their expectations of you. They're supporting you. They're able to really gauge where you are as a new grad. And I think that's something that I encourage students that are looking to apply in any setting is the onboarding, the uh, support that you need. But also for me, it's like, I know that's a skill set that I need to enhance and get better at. So it is that discipline that PA school really teaches you of you need to manage your time, but you also need to put in that work and ask questions. Like, don't be timid in that regard. Like, you're here to help uh, other patients, and you want to make sure that you're competent enough, but also supported in that fashion as well, or else, you know, the outcome for that patient is not going to be good. So you've touched on it just a little bit, but let's dive a little bit deeper into what you do day to day. Like what does your average day look like? Sure. Uh, so my average day basically starts at eight o'clock. I start rounding on my patients around 8.30, I would say. And these are patients that had just had surgery the day before, or this is a patient that pretty much needs surgery later that day. And we're, we're just getting consent from the patient or we're just checking how was their night overall from the day before. And then right after I'll go to my clinic hours, which are typically from nine to four, 4.30. And that's all about having new patients, patients that you're following. So it's really just start to finish going from room to room, taking your time, getting a great neurosurgical history, just a neurology standpoint, because that's what they're here for. They're, they're having something that they've had for a long time or something just happened acutely. Um, maybe they, they've had a tumor and it's, it's come back and so forth. So you're really just trying to gain a strong history then do your physical exam where you're doing the focus assessment of the neurological exam. And then you're coming up with a plan and collaborating with your surgeon. So in this case, I'm able to just stop in right after I see the patient and kind of have that conversation between myself and the attending and be like, hey, you know, this is a patient that we've seen before. Or this is a new patient. This is what I'm thinking. What are you thinking about doing, you know, and then we can go in together because I'm still in that training period. So I'm able to see patients on my own but then collaborate with the attending and then come up with a plan and educate the patient on what we can do in that moment. Sometimes it's explaining the actual procedure, which is really helpful, especially when I have the privilege to be in surgeries as well, because I found that when I'm in the actual surgical case and then I'm seeing another patient that might have that might need the same procedure in the future, I know exactly how to explain it to them. Because I've been there, I've assisted the neurosurgeon in that fashion. I've closed the surgical sites and so forth. And then just really learning the management as I go. I think it's, again, a process and understanding when to be conservative, when to make that decision of this person needs surgery. And I think that's something that I'm still learning to do a lot better because sometimes you just want to jump and you're like, with the patient, you're like, okay, this is what you have, let's do surgery. And it's like, no, 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 we need to take a step back. Let's look at a systematic approach. Let's let's treat you, not the image. Because sometimes you can get really caught up in that. So that's really my day-to-day -day is clinic three times a week. 
surgeries. OR days are about twice a week. And then I just have the weekends to really supplement my learning or just relax. And I think that's important to just really detach from your work and then start again the next uh, week. Excellent. Thank you so much for, for that. Um, our listeners are always interested in, you know, the different PAs. And that's, again, one thing that's great about our profession is that there's so many different niches and so many different specialties. So one thing I know that COVID in our area really affected surgeries, especially elective surgeries. And so a lot of our ORs were shut down. Um, there wasn't enough PPE. And so it's just affected kind of surgical PAs in a slightly different way. Um, so a lot of the other places like hospitalists got overrun. But with surgical PAs, we had our other difficulties. So um, what is it? like being a surgical PA in the midst of COVID? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question for just the fact that I've, I feel like I've been in it as a student, <laughs> just because there's a lot of times where, yes, we have a scope of practice, but there are a lot of times where I had to really almost fend for myself to be able to get those supplies when the staff is not around. If you're doing an ED consult now, most of the time when we go to the ED, it's like you don't have that house staff that's with you, that's able to take orders or have the nurse kind of relay what's going on. You're doing it most of the time, and because of just the staff shortages that are going on right now a lot of the times it's building your independence and just understanding like there are things that you learned in school that you really can still use in in this time and fortunately we have been able to still have our elective surgeries we have not been hit in that regard along with a lot of my other colleagues that are in different surgical specialties as well ct surgery ortho in different parts of the state so i can't really express on that but I know for a fact that it's one of those things where you're, you're really kind of in a, a rock in a hard place where you need to make more decisions you need to be a lot more independent you need to know who you can contact and utilize your resources we've talked a lot about your current life as a PA do you a lot of our listeners are pre-PAs or current PA students do you have any tips for them sure I think one of the big tips is like really be your biggest supporter <laughs> at the end of the day especially as a new grad it's like no matter how well of a feedback you get from your colleagues or even your bosses you still feel like there's so much for you to still learn that you just feel so ill-equipped but it's that self-talk that I really try to even tell my students that are interested in just transitioning between being a student and now a provider that it's going to take time it's not going to happen overnight and again to just really be persistent get yourself out there networking is like passports in life they get you places and really to treat everyone with respect because I work in a, a specialty right now where everyone matters from the surge tech to the circulating nurse to the custodians, anyone like treat everyone with respect because you do have a sense of like that team environment, that teamwork. And that's no different than when you were in PA school, going to your history and physical exam classes, doing technical skills where everyone's like hands on deck, trying to help you out and, and really communicating what's the best management for this patient. And then going forward to just be able to find time for yourself. Like I take Sabbath on Saturday and it's one of those things where I can find rest, where I can do other things that I like. I love photography. I love journaling. 
I'm able to just talk with my friends that aren't in the medical field. And I think that's so important too, because you can get so stuck in just like constantly being in it and in the rut and all hands on deck all the time, but then you're just going to get burnt out. So those are my big things. Like be good to yourself, have great self-talk, be persistent, get yourself out there. Don't be afraid to network. And that's something that we've touched upon before already in this episode. And then just find time to rest. Yeah, I absolutely love that. You know, we talk about the powers of the mind and, you know, you, you shape your own reality because, you know, your thoughts are your reality, basically. It's what you believe and what, how you perceive the world. So I love the fact that you brought that up, that like, listen, you got to stay positive. Like everything's not perfect. No, but your self-talk, like, why would you say something to yourself that you wouldn't say to someone else, right? You'd never be mean or critical, that critical to your best friend. So why are you, why are you saying it to yourself? And so I love the fact that you brought that up because I do think that's super important because you can, especially as a new grad, feel a little overwhelmed and feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. It's like peaceful all over again, you know, for a sweet <laughs> I don't know. So I love that you brought that up. Let's switch gears a little bit. I know that you have a podcast as well. So you tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast and where they can find you and what types of topics that you think about and then why you started your podcast. Sure. So my podcast is something that I've just been doing on the side. I really just feel like I have a heart to serve. I've had it since I was a kid, just naturally. And I've had mentors in my life that were able to really pour in and yeah, just share their profession, share what they do. So essentially, my podcast is titled The PA Chronicles. And I called it The Chronicles because I really feel like throughout my whole journey, even before getting into PA school, it was just like chapter by chapter by chapter. It was like a never ending book. And it was really just to showcase the process of before PA school, during PA school, and now as a professional and still growing in this field. It's really to help pre-PA students, current students primarily and then if there are PAs that I know or had looked up to or whatever like you guys like it's a great resource for students that are listening because most of the time I remember when I started I didn't have as many resources I just didn't like most of the time it was just through word of mouth like oh you got this book that tells you how to ace interviews in PA school I didn't even know it existed and it's just so funny that we have books that actually help you ace the interview but it's so necessary whereas now I have a lot of students that are really looking towards social media for info they're really getting onto these websites that offer packages and all of that and I just think that's great because it really encourages them to use their resources at at their disposal so my podcast primarily is really focused on the pre-PAs and the PA students because I've been a student not too long ago and I'm still a lifelong learner and it's so important to stay with the times and just support them and if I don't know or if I can't mentor them to the best of my ability or my heart's desire at least I know that I can really steer them in the right direction with you guys you know or anyone else that's offering a service and for me most of my services are free or by donation so it's one of those things where I just know I want to give back So for our listeners, again, that's PA Chronicles podcast. And then where can they find you on Instagram? Yes. So on Instagram, it's the underscore PA underscore Chronicles. As always, listeners, we will put the handles in the show notes. So you can go ahead and click on that and find Maria. One last question. And you touched on just a little bit, but this is the best question of all. Who are you when the white coat comes off? Oh, my goodness. When the white coat comes off. 
honestly, I'm just such a bookworm. <laughs> like, as much as I may come off like extroverted, I really love my alone time and just being able to just dive into a really good book. <laughs> awesome. I totally second that. <laughs> I totally second that. <laughs> Well, Maria, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. And we, to our listeners, we will put everything in the show notes so that you can go and follow Maria. And she has amazing information and such a pleasure to listen to. So definitely go follow her podcast. And thank you so much again, Maria. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are so happy to connect with you and share our passion of the PA profession. Don't forget to go to the show notes and join our super fun Pacers membership so you can start making your CASPA application more competitive today with virtual shadowing hours, coaching sessions with us, and so much more. Also in the show notes is a link to sign up for our free personal statement challenge that's coming up on March 23rd and 24th. Again, this is totally free and we're going to walk you through creating your most outstanding PA school application that's going to grab the attention of PA programs. Again, it's on March 23rd and 24th, so sign up in the show notes and we will catch you at the next episode.